Hello and welcome back. As you heard in our genius uh, jingle, we're going to be talking about all the things again, uh, what humans, technology, and where we are at today. And um, today in particular, we should talk about what we're doing because uh, uh, Alessandria will maybe give you a rundown. But last week, all of us uh, put, put our heads together on how to help the industry. So we might as well tell you what we came up with because we oftentimes end up doing something and not talking about it. Hi, by the way. Hello and uh, hi, everyone. Uh, we're excited to continue to talk about. I mean, th this is what Dwana and I spend every day, every night uh, thinking about, reading about, talking about, researching, et cetera, which is how do we create workplaces where people and actual humans can thrive and do their best work? And how can we help people enroll, uh, move that mission forward and remove the barriers that prevent us from uh, helping create thriving organizations? Absolutely. And and we, we tried this in every which way, right? We at, Let's face it, we started um, this journey from different points. Most of you listening to this would have started it from very different points. But one thing we absolutely all have in common is one time or another, we have burned for the same human ideals, which are it's unfair and shitty to have people be treated poorly at work and it's un, uh, business wise to do so. And we all agree on this. I think everyone listening to this, but where we came to it from different parts is different, obviously. And some of us are academic, some of us are elegant, some of us are neurotypical, some of us are able to take this fight in a more diplomatic way. And some of us have made us, um, all of us feel like we were too fast, too much, too passionate, too emotional too eager to uh, buy into this newfangled fluffy series when the world is actually more serious and more number-based than that, um, and too, too focused on this one dogmatic topic. So we have been accused, if we are listening to this, we have during our lives been accused of being all kinds of non-professional, heinous things because we were trying to move the needle on the human that before we even knew it had a name. Whenever we try to, you know, write a little wrong or, or change a little small piece of our patch where we could make a change. So because we've all been there, the question is, what can we do to move faster? And and that is where we all started from, right? When when you go independently to, to try and change the world, you, you go, what can I do to both feed my family and change the world, right? It's not a difficult starting point. We all agree. But I think what we found very fast is I don't think it is that easy to change the world for people who wouldn't be able to afford it. It's a luxury that we both of us have invested in over the years and heavily. It's, let's be honest, it cost us hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars for us to be able to continue this fight and not give up at all the times when we would have been offered these fancy jobs and we could have just left it um, during our time, right? And that's the case for everyone listening. I don't think whether this is being listened to um, in one part of the world or in one industry or another, it makes a difference. But if you do listen to it in a few years, hopefully it makes no sense. Hopefully, it, 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 I'm serious. Hopefully you listen to it while and you go like, what are they on about? What human debt? What toxicity? What we don't do that anymore. That's so old school. We don't do that, yeah. Yeah, How so speaking of old that? school, so talk about what is that moment when you realized 
is this it? Like how, how is this how businesses run? Um, many of us have had those kind of epiphany moments of, um, am I the only one that sees that this isn't, this makes no sense. And so um, I want to share a couple of pieces of data because especially in, not especially in tech, but I will say, um, I know when this happens in tech a lot where we have this grinded out uh, mindset of, uh, you know, if, if we just put our head down and we just grind through this grind culture, hustle culture, uh, working like an entrepreneur culture hacking, um, yeah. and this misunderstanding and misuse um, of humans and that doesn't align with the data. This is what I, I constantly say. Um, you know, I've gotten into uh, discussions uh uh, heated discussions with other CPOs who say, oh, well, you know, you can't make an omelet without breaking eggs. Okay. But you don't have to break people to make so, the omelet. And are these in intentionally broken eggs? I don't believe that he was breaking eggs with the intention of an omelet. I think they break eggs by mistake by stepping on them. So, or, or there's this belief that if I was punished and had to sweat and stress and break down crying and all take up drinking or whatever I did, then everyone else should. But the data does not prove that. That, that would make sense. Exactly. So yeah. let me give an example. Uh, there was one study I would, I just was looking at this morning. In fact, that showed um, when I'm high stress, right? My job performance decreases by 55%. My errors increase by 63%. So if you want people to have highly high quality output, what you're doing is working actually against that as opposed to for it. So but many of us have seen this, but we haven't had the data. And we also will question ourselves to say, why does everyone else seem to think that this is fine? And that's, that's the secret society. Those are the folks that we're speaking to are the ones who are like, the emperor has no clothes. That's right. The ones that can point to the naked butt. But also, I think the ones that can point to the naked butt and and look at it from a point of view of why aren't they believing me? Why aren't they trusting me? And we again, we are about the resources and what we can give you here. And, and, and here it is. We can give you resources, the vast majority of them free, like the data, the studies, the videos, the critique, the editorials, the books. The books are not for free, but almost. Uh, the, they're for free for me, but you, you know what I mean. I'm, no one's making money on books. Um, the, you can look at all of these things and get some things out of them. And we know you've been doing so over the years and we thank you so much for using our work to, to, to further the cause internally. But, um, but I would also urge you to, to wonder again, why won't they hear it? Look at the fear in your exec teams and go, who is most afraid? Who has least of a team? Who is listening to poor data because they are behind on, on, on elevating their own knowledge of the, of the, societal moment of the work moment of the cultural moment and of the work practices that they need who here is holding us back as an exec and then try and work with those people either as a personal coach or or getting them to get them in a team i always say this, this is the easiest way put all of them in a team at least they'll have the the accountability of being in in a in a vehicle and they'll try to do something together and that magic of having a millisecond of psychological safety with a team is an Un, unparalleled so again that would be the easiest way and to 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 help you 
maybe, hopefully. Um, what we've done last week was announced that we have taken our software, which has always been B2B and and then has been kept prisoner by hundreds of thousands of budget decisions and, and CPOs and, and CHROs slightly unsure as to how that's going to land and whether or not their entire bet should be on this part of the work or any other learning part of the work. Because let's face it, when you're insignificant enough for your work to be given only this much of support and of money, you have to make some very horrible decisions. And those decisions have many times been against the software we've made. And so with with a heavy heart that that's what it is because we've seen the good effect it has on people at the other end of the line where teams become so much tighter and more psychologically safe. We've had to re realize that this is not the route. We cannot ask the enterprise to get it in because the human that will stop it. So what we've done instead was, was, was go through this gargantuan amount of work so that any team from anywhere can get in today. Um, and, and that they can do it by just going to www. Um, techlet culture slash technology for for cost they can start working on it today and this is done twofold one for teams to do it themselves teams that are desperate because they can't connect with a human that like you guys um, and they they need to do something because they cannot keep having these non-human conversations and these non-feeling including topics and this this separate emperor naked life that doesn't make them um, productive or happy. So for them to do it directly, but also for you HR professionals to have a way to demonstrate with a popcorn experiment or two or three over your your enterprise that in different teams in different environments this makes a difference, that when your people put in the human work, it makes a difference. And I encourage you to show it to your execs. Try this for a month or two. Get that data into a paper and say, look, this makes a difference like this. And it cost us almost nothing. And it meant that these people came to the table and they are now this much more engaged, this much more stable, this much more psychologically safe. So and go ahead talk yeah, and producing more, more innovative, more ability, able to take on change, more, more. I mean, it just more, more, more. The, the the data proves out that it is a differentiator, just like Google showed in 2015. It is a differentiator before between high performing teams and those who do not. Um, and I think what the culmination here too is also when we think about workplace mental health and what that's what we're talking about. We're talking about understanding the psychology of how humans work and then meeting that need, maintaining that investment. Um, and so, you know, right now, I think in the UK, it's a uh, world Ment or it's mental health awareness week exactly. Exactly. coming up with world mental health day on 1010, you know, uh, with our company, we do a lot around skill development. And so, which is how we complement each other. Um, and so we're offering a, a free webinar on Eventbrite that anybody can offer to their team. So you don't have to go out and reinvent the wheel. So think about that. What if on World Mental Health Day, you said we're, we're going to have this free webinar again, everyone can take it. And then we're going to do a couple of teams. We're going to pilot using the software to get insights into what is in our way. And so all we're talking about is treating humans like humans instead of machines. And there's a uh, hundred years of data on why that is important for business outcomes. And again, what Dwena and I do every day is think about this and try to come up with ways to help people in organizations make progress and make a difference. And, and we do. So sorry, go ahead. We, we go tend ahead. to talk on top of each other a lot, but that's I'm okay. Transitioning. So one of the things I think is fascinating is 
what you talked about, which is this fear at the top, right? And this mindset at the top. And there's this misguided belief that what we have been doing was working. Now we know, again, from a data perspective, that the ways in which we mistreat people, the ways in which we are have dysfunction and toxic behaviors, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, they diminish the output of the humans we have and also they hurt people. So um, it's not working, but there's this huge disconnect at the executive level. Um, and that's the part that I think I'm having a really hard time wrapping my head around this kind of, like I said, the emperor's new clothes, this denial of uh, that what we're doing isn't working. I had a conversation with a leader um, at a uh, government organization um, that I presented at last week. And uh, his comment was, well, how can I hold people accountable um, and make sure that they're psychologically healthy? And I was like, how are you giving them the feedback? <laughs> are you just telling them they suck or are you giving them feedback that's helpful? Because we all want feedback that's helpful. I mean, just like, how about if you just don't do it in a dysfunctional and abusive way? Like the, the mindset that I, I, it's an either or proposition right. is just fascinating to me. Do you see that too, Dwana? Yes, I see um I see a lot of execs that are too tired to learn more faster. Um and I see a need that they do that immediately. I see us all going the wrong direction in terms of the the human work in the workplace all the time. I see that in in big enterprises and in small enterprises, in the return to the office conversation, in the way we ignore the mental health crisis, in the way we ignore the leadership crisis, um, in the way in which we have dropped the conversation on engagement completely as if it's not a trendy topic anymore. We just don't want to talk about it. Like it's been a few years of let's make a chief happiness officer and then let's drop it. Have we dropped it because people are happy? Is that why we dropped it? We're done with that. Um, the, these droppings are the droppings are uh, practically what would what, what constitute and what amass into the human that eventually it's because we get bored. It's because we are who we are and our attention moves as fast as it does. And it's not sensationalist enough to talk about these things forever. It's just everyday misery for the people in the knowledge field. And they are too um, spoiled as they are because they don't work outside. And, um, you know, we, we all know what we come yeah, up with. But I also think it's, it's because they're all surface. They're all window dressing, right? This isn't about fixing what's broken or yeah. fixing my, my bullshit, right? Yeah. So yes. if I'm, and we know the higher up you go in the organization, the more uh, likely you are to be on the yeah. more ill side of mental health, right? Yeah. So you, if you don't fix or at least build skills about you, then throwing all this window dressing to, in my mind to hide behind doing the actual work, which is self-reflection, um, then of course it's not going to stick because it's, it's not actually trying to fix a problem. But maybe we should make it mandatory that every um, exec has a coach and a therapist. Um, I, I do not disagree, but I also, uh, can we teach them some skills so that they can just in the moment, Without having uh, to pick up the phone, um, question whether or not they should do the They should have either. Or, okay, let's be honest, right? Everybody needs, everyone across the board needs a higher 
stepping stone in terms of understanding their emotional emotions and the emotions of others. Everybody needs that, right? We have all lived through lives where we haven't been taught. Now, some people need them more urgently than others. If you work in a blue collar job or if you are about to retire, you probably are not interested in acquiring these skills. It's why you are, I would understand and excuse you. Everybody else, if you work in the knowledge economy or you already know in some type of office job or you're using your, 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 your intellectual skill set, if you do not augment that intellectual skill set with an emotional skill set, you will not be competitive in the age of AI because your intellectual skill set can and will be replicated immediately by the machines. It is your emotional component of it that is irreplicable. So it is your choice if you want to remain competitive or not going forward. And why so many execs would be pleased to say, no, thank you, I'm out, is a reflection of the fact that everyone is tired and, like you say, overworked and burnt out. And we have such high degrees of mental health issues in, in execs. That's what we're seeing. No one wants to fix it. Everyone knows the emperor is naked, but the ones that could fix it are just too tired, too checked out, and too unknowledgeable to do so. Yeah. Well, let's, let's talk about let's talk about uh, what that looks like. So PwC has this. Uh, they did a trust survey, mm. and I know this isn't the same thing as psychological health and safety, but darn it, you kind of need trust in order to build psychological health and safety. So I think it's a good place for us to start. And um, what I find fascinating, this is not the only study that I've seen show this, is the huge disconnect between executives and their teams. I mean, right here, 46% of employees uh, say that a trust damaging event was something that they expected. That means almost half of the team is expecting that, at least on an annual basis, you are going to jack something up where it just proves that you can't be trusted. Um, and while we believe that we should have this trust, right, um, you, there, there's a gap in perception of whether or not we're trusted. And um, skipping ahead to the, the punchline, um, we're not even seeing at the executive level that we're undermining trust, right? Over 50% of employees uh, say that we've had one, but only 20% uh, of business executives will admit. Exactly. And this is human debt. This is human yes. debt right here. Right? That gap right there is human debt. Yes. That gap is human debt. But I think trust is a good one. Let's let's examine it. Let's take a step, big step back and examine it. Because I feel like there will be maybe five or six topics that are the big ones that are worth discussing over and over again and returning to them over and over again. And quite frankly, I think those are the where and the when in terms of super flexibility, uh, the role of trust. What does it take for individuals to be happy at work? What does it take for teams to be happy at work? Um, what constitutes a healthy organization? If we can answer those five things and we agree on how we've answered it, it doesn't even matter that they are the correct frameworks we have chosen but we have agreed together on a course of action, then we as a team, if we were to be a team in an enterprise, could just go ahead and test that because we all had agreed on these five fundamental human things. And let me tell you, even if everything they chose was bad, they would be a lot better off than the people that claim this whole thing doesn't exist and they can na-na-na wait for the good old times to come back. <laughs> so, 
Although I do want to put a pin in happiness. Can you put a pin in happiness? I would like to talk about happiness. That uh, absolutely. If I didn't mention it, I should. I'm not anti-happy. Not anti-happy, obviously, but fullness. I think that makes yes, part of, yes, I, to, yes, to yes. my mind, that takes part of, you know how autistic I am. And if it fits into a, a concept that I've quoted, I shall tell you it does. It's the individual, it's whether the individual is happy at work or not, right? It's the same one. I did quote it. I didn't take it away. And also if the team is happy or not, because what, here's one we never talked about, team happiness. And we don't talk about See, that. Because- I think it should be team wholeness. Yes, I think it should be team because you know what? Sometimes we're not happy and that's okay too, right? Sometimes right. we have conflict. Sometimes but, we have, but have we even discussed it? Yeah. Like, but why aren't we even, why are we so no. uncomfortable to even discuss it at all as a topic? Anyways, back to I these. Yeah, exactly right. It's, it's what we're talking about is this, not the debate on those specifics, but on the, like, we have no problem. My guy, my guys are fine. My guys I'm are fine. Not okay. Everyone else is okay. Look, and that is possible. And uh, we're, we're, uh, let, let us give you an inside uh, tip from one of the conversations we've had internally to try and attack this on your behalf as best as we can. Um, there's a little letter there that's for human debt fighters, but there's also one that's for human debt preventers, because you're always invariably going to have this uh, exec that fancies themselves a super knowledgeable, fluffy topic expert but when you look under the hood, he's just read some report in an airport for five minutes and it's kind of unclear on the big topics. So for those people who are convinced that their guys are okay, the na na na, everything's fine. I read everything in uh, that Forbes has told me from the paid council in the last five minutes. Don't even get me started on that. So, uh, so practically I'm golden. Those people are a preventer. They don't need to be a human debt fighter. You have no human debt, but if you want to make sure you don't get any, start your human work. So we got you on that as well, we think. So back to the top big topics. Trust is one. Yeah, happiness and individual mm-hmm. team, whatever. Trust is one. The, the reason I'm so big on us getting the definitions right is because we've just talked to people that, oh my God, penguins, and let's all agree and whatever. And I... If we don't agree, let's establish another word for that because we're going to talk about it a lot. So let me tell you how I see it and then you tell me how you see it and then we see how we see it together. This is a thing I've discovered I have to do in every conversation these days because otherwise we we fluffy topics. <laughs> let me tell you what I mean. Tell me what you mean and then let's see if we can agree on a definition together. If we could yeah, do that. Time happen. So what I think we mean by trust in the enterprise is one, a very fluffy encompass all term that everyone uses just to say the good stuff. Uh, two, it's an unreally measurable, magical sentiment of good value. Three, when you start looking under the hood of what it really means for individuals, what it means for um, groups of people, and what it means for the, the group of team in particular, then you're starting to see um, other components come in. In the individual's case, you then um, have to image both their characteristics as a person and the way that they relate to their practical work, which is where you see most of this is in the team. So whether or not they trust their environment, they trust their coworkers, they trust the messaging from the organization. So they have the, some Aristotle's core trust of sorts and whether or not they trust themselves um, enough to 
be psychologically safe and note that I am now bringing in another term, which is practically separate. Uh, that's a different topic. So trust and psychological safety to me are two different things. Psychological safety is a team, they are. team, oh, team um, behavior and dynamic behavior. that only happens in that particular thing. Whereas I can trust my team, I can trust myself, I can trust my organization without there being any psychological safety in the team necessarily. If I'm just, I just came in and I'm all steady eyed and I'm drunk on purpose, but that doesn't make me psychologically safe with them in, in that's my definition of it. Now, what's your definition? Let's then try to put them together. <laughs> okay. So, um, I actually did a, a, a session on this with, with a company recently where we talked about, uh, because th they brought me in originally cause they were talking about trust, but what they really meant was psychological health and safety. So trust is really like, that's a non-negotiable. If I don't trust you, I'm going to have a really hard time being psychologically safe, right? So trust is the belief that people will do what they say, have the ability to do what they say, um, and are not looking to cause harm, but they have integrity. Um, but the part that I have to start with in understanding not just are other people trustworthy is am I trusting, right? Mm -hmm. And that's that self-reflection piece that I see we miss a lot um on when whenever we do these conversations around skills at work is we don't look at ourselves and what we're bringing to the table so yeah. um just to kind of put a bow on it i think you can't have psychological safety without trust but trust is not the same as psychologically exactly safe. i can't agree anymore yes that those two things are 100 percent the case I think it's really important that people don't attempt to measure trust. And um, But if they do, that they look under the hood and don't just put some fluffy number on it. Because there are elements you can find. I would argue that um, the Aristotle project went further than us in discussing trust. Because if you want to define trust towards the organization or trust towards the team, those are elements of it. For instance, there's an element in the Aristotle project called dependability. This is what we mean. Do we depend on this team to, to give us the results they said they would at the time that they said they would? Note, this is not that they are high performing. This is not that they are super productive. This is simply that you can count on their cadence of delivery. So it just means that they are dependable. That dependability is part of the trust. When you combine it with a sense of psychological safety in the team, you have even more trust. And when you feel that yes. the organization as a team, you can believe their structure and clarity that they've communicated, that's a sign of trust towards the organization as well. So if you start looking at all of the five Aristotle um Parts, they all, in a sense, revert back to a sense of trust that we need to have in each other, including purpose, including impact. We can't really talk about either of these if we don't genuinely trust each other. How are we going to instill a sense of purpose or recognize our impact if we don't if we don't feel it? So it's it's a lot more complicated. Than that. Yeah. I think well, I mean, okay. Sorry. So let's just say I'm going to build on that. So I have a, a dependable, trustworthy person or team, does that mean that I can ask questions without fear of retribution? No. Does that mean that um, I can be my authentic self without feeling judged? No. So there are specific things within that psychologically safe behaviors model that um, are missing just if we look at trust. 
And sometimes these things are not necessarily, this is something that's it's a bit more specialized and we absolutely don't have the time for it, but it's meaty, I think. we. I never really got to, to talk about these things with anyone, so you're going to be my victim. But when we started studying psychological safety and, and, and separating it into the component behaviors of psychological safety, and it's how we came up with the fact that people have to be flexible, learning, emotionally engaged, resilient, um, and they have to be courageous, obviously, and open. But when we did that, we we also were probably the only ones that have very um, spent a lot of time trying to understand the negative side of psychological safety, or rather the opposite of the good behaviors, the negative behaviors, the um, impression management part. And I think this is an interesting one. There are uh, there is intentional psychological safety that you can and should create, and then there is. Um, resulting psychological safety that you cannot create, but you can create the conditions for. And I think it's really mm-hmm. important to do you, you think of it when you go into in depth um, into what you can and should try to change and what you can and should just keep an eye on, right? Uh, when it comes to psychological safety and of these negative behaviors, when you create an environment where it's, it feels good, it feels safe, these these um, stops that the individual might have personally because they don't trust themselves, because they maybe have lower self-esteem or maybe they've gone through a lot of trauma in other teams or maybe they've been through places where the emperors were even nakeder and they could never say. All of this trauma from other uh, places that had human debt that they come in with might disallow them from feeling that safe. So when you give them enough time for them to know that the social convention in this team is to be safe, then they will hopefully eventually start coming towards it. But you also have to be intentional as they also have to be intentional. Like I said, you have to want to come towards it. Everyone wants to want to do, has to want to do the um, the human work and not just some of us or it will never work. But psychological safety, you can and should create in your team. You can and should keep an eye on. You probably need what you always need. Look at the Aristotle project get some resources from people like us in and and a lot of hand-holding and of knowledge that we got you. We know what it feels like and we wish you the most of the fortunes. <laughs> yeah, and the last one, let me just add, is stop thinking, just stop thinking that psychologically safe means underperforming, um, lowering the bar. Um, it's actually the, and not having, you know, uh, conflict or crucial conversations. It is the opposite what we are doing now is preventing all, all of those things from happening. This is how you get to those outcomes. Thank you for listening to us. And we'll pick this up again. We'll, we'll get a little bit more agitated to give you some ideas um, and some tips and hopefully not waste your time next time. We'll also have some guests on, some of which are quite cool. Um, and we're looking forward to all of you coming to join us in the pod writing to us and getting in contact. Subscribe, obviously, click the bell, uh, follow us on all these many channels where we're trying to fight the world and come join us. Um, we will we will get there. <laughs> Have a lovely rest of your week. Bye. Bye.